more. I want more energy. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to today's podcast with Ego Lab. My name is Anthony. And I am Brian. You could also call me Tony. So in today's episode, we're going to discuss ideas and strategies so that you can make the most valuable use of your time. Tony, let's kick it off with a quick quote. Time is really the only capital that any human being has and the only thing he can't afford to lose. Thomas Edison. Very true. Time is our one and only asset at the end of the day. So what is the best book that you've read recently? I'm going to go with Richard Feynman's Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman, biography that looks into the mind of a genius. How about you? I'll definitely pick that one up and read it. But for me right now, it's The Almanac of Naval Ravikant, and it is a guide to creating a healthy and wealthy life. Definitely recommend. So for the main topic today, time allocation. Do you feel like you have enough time, Brian? Does anybody ever feel like they have enough time? You know, it's uh, I would say I'm getting there trying to structure things, using some of the tools we're going to talk about today to free up my time, spend time on what matters most. There you go. It's all about priorities, right? Yeah. I definitely am on, I'm on the same page as you. I've definitely been working towards figuring out what requires the most focus and where I should place my time. I think a lot of that has to do with choosing the right destination, like we talked about in our last episode. <laughs> but I definitely feel like I have been letting some things slip through the cracks. And that all comes down to feeling like I don't have enough time. For example, maybe like going to the gym or uh, that's something that I feel like somehow always ends up slipping through the cracks. And I'm like, ah, I just don't have enough time for it. So on that note, let's talk a little bit about some of the ways that we can more effectively manage our time. Um, Why don't you start us off with some principles, Brian? Sure. Let's uh, let's talk about the big picture of time management. So uh, great one. Peter Thiel has, why can't you do it in six months? Let's talk about making a million dollars or learning to play the guitar so you can play a live show, whatever it might be. Some people might think that needs to take two years, three years, four years. But what if you could crunch it down into six months, really focus on what matters most? Why don't you shed some light on that from your perspective? Absolutely. So this is one of my favorite principles that I definitely refer to a lot. I learned a lot about Peter Thiel during my startup experience, but basically what it comes down to is choose what you want to do. You know, oftentimes people have a pretty long timeline and for pretty big goals. Peter Thiel basically says, no, don't compromise, have big goals. And then ask yourself, why can't you do it in six months? Figure out a way to do the things that you want to do in a shorter period of time. Yeah. And for the next one. Yeah. So Warren Buffett's got this great idea, which is, you know, if you have sit down, make a list of the 30 things you want to accomplish and cross out everything, but the top two or the top five, whatever it might be. And those things are where you really need to spend your time for the next six months to a year. Just pare it down to the bare essentials. What's most important, hit those. And you'll see that you'll have more time to really focus on those. You won't be distracted by all the other things. So I think this again goes down to, you know, choosing priorities. The truth is we don't actually have enough time to do everything. 
So that's why you need to manage the time that you do have in the best possible way, which is why Warren Buffett basically says, really, you just have to focus on a couple of things that you can devote your time to so that you can actually make progress. So that's Warren Buffett's strategy on focusing on what matters. Yeah, let's talk about another big picture item here. So we got Parkinson's law. Um, We talked about this, you and I, Tony. Parkinson's law essentially says work expands to fill the time you give it. So let's use a super basic example of a greeting card or finding a birthday card. So I go to the store. I have all day to find a birthday card. How much time am I going to spend on it? Probably an hour. I'm going to read through every single card in the section. Maybe I don't find what I is the perfect card. So I go to another store and I read through another whole section there. And I spend all the time I need until I find exactly what I want. Then maybe somebody else gets out of work. They have to be at a birthday party. They only have five minutes to stop at the store. They run in, read three cards, pick the perfect one out of those three cards and hit the road. So we can scale that out to anything, right? Whether it's finding a greeting card or completing projects, give yourself time that really crunches you to get it done, get it done well, but don't give yourself, you know, kind of back to that Peter Thiel thing. You don't give yourself five years if you could do it in six months. Right. And again, not that you actually can do it in six months, but the goal is to make the most efficient use of your time. Another quote that I kind of like and relates to that principle is, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the ax, Abraham Lincoln. This one kind of sounds counterintuitive because you have six hours and Brian just said that you should do it in five minutes, you know, pick out your card in five minutes. But really what this is saying is, If you have six hours, let's say you had to spend those six hours, don't waste four of those hours doing nothing. Abraham Lincoln says, well, I'm going to be productive regardless. And he will spend the first four hours sharpening the axe so it's as sharp as possible and said he can cut down that tree in the best way that he can. Yeah, efficiency. Uh, Another great principle that we can look at for efficiency, which is super common, especially in the business world these days, is the 80-20 principle or the Pareto principle you might have heard it called. So what that basically says is that 80% of the output comes from 20% of the input. So if we think about it in the business sense, 80% of your business is going to come from 20% of your customers, something along those lines. And another great example of that, just off the top of my head, let's say in your relationships, there's some key interactions that if you just focused on those 20% of interactions, it could increase your relationship and provide 80% of the results. Whether that be just focusing on things like showing appreciation, showing love and being grateful and making sure that the people in your life know that rather than focusing on maybe the other 80% of interactions that you know could be bickering or small conflicts. So, or maybe it is the conflicts that you need to focus on resolving those conflicts, the 20% of those interactions produce 80% of the results and fruitfulness of the relationships that you have. Yeah. I think we could spend the whole podcast talking about the 80-20 principle. There's so much there, but let's move on. Let's, Let's talk a little bit about leverage. I will jump in on this one because like I said, the almanac of Naval Ravi Kant, Naval loves to talk about leverage in one of his tweet storms. That's one of the main points that he uses for how do you become rich? How do you become wealthy? It's so important to make sure that you're creating leverage because that's basically amplifying your efforts so that they can be spread and and make an impact when you're not even there. So one of the biggest examples of leverage that people like to talk about in the business world would be just, you know, like investing. Let's say you spend three hours to take home a salary of $20 per hour. You can then take those $60, invest them into the market, 
And now that is leverage that you have created from your original three hours of time invested. Um, this goes for other things as well. For example, me and Brian, we're creating this podcast right now. We're using leverage. Now this podcast can be distributed to thousands of listeners. If we had thousands of listeners, <laughs> more likely it'll be like 10 people, but that's we'll still leverage. There. We'll get there. That's still leverage. So use leverage to make your time more efficient. I love it. I love it. Um, let's change gears a little bit here. So as we sit here and talk about all these things, what pops into my head is the idea of creative people. And everybody thinks when you look at someone who's creative, maybe they're eccentric and you think, oh, they're just, they were born creative or, you know, they're just, they, these things pop into their heads. Um, but when you examine a little farther and you start looking into this, there's kind of a, that's myth. So what we find is that people who are actually super creative have really rigorous schedules, even writing overnight, basically, you know, they take care of all their stuff during the day and they say from 10 PM to 1 AM every single night, I'm going to work on a project. So they pick something, they create these comprehensive schedules to free themselves up. And that's where, you know, if you've heard of the 10,000 hour principle, you got to put the time on task. So you have to free up that time. You have to be consistent with it and then keep showing up with it over time. And I heard a quote somewhere along lines that said, basically, you know, if you spend a hundred hours on something, or write 100 pages, you're going to get 10% out of that. So freeing up your schedule to write those 100 pages to get the 10 good ones out of it, or to paint for 100 hours to get the 10 hours worth of like really great painting, uh, super important. Absolutely. I know that um, Jack Dorsey is one of the, definitely a great example of this. If, if you get the chance, just go and, and kind of read about what his schedule looks like. I know he has an extremely rigid schedule that he follows. I think he walks like an hour every morning to get to work and, and things like that. He just doesn't compromise on great example of an extremely creative person who has an extremely rigid schedule. Let's talk a little bit about flow states here um, and deep work. So in all the circles I I read about, you know, self-care and self-improvement, all that stuff, deep work is something that's popping up a lot. A book by this guy, Cal Newport, who essentially writes about how, Tech distractions and technology are taking away from the deep work and really getting into flow states and all these buzzwords we hear now. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that distractions are extremely, extremely prevalent in today's society. I'm definitely a victim of my phone is constantly going off, have tons of notifications. There's just so many different, there's just so many different distractions, especially in a digital age with just constant information overload, YouTube. So I think flow states is a is a great way to actually use your time efficiently. Just kind of take yourself out of all those distractions and really focus on what you're actually doing. I know that I'm the type of person who likes to multitask. I'll jump around from, from tab to tab. But when I do get in a flow state, that is usually when I have my most effective work. So just setting yourself up to be in a flow state by eliminating all distractions, you know, put your phone in a different room, turn it off, make sure you're only using one tab. Keep, make sure you find a place that's uh, in solitude where nobody else is going to come in and distract you. So all these things you can set yourself up for a flow state. Yeah. It's fascinating. I think um, flow states are one of the most wonderful places to be, right? Because time goes away and you just get to immerse yourself in these projects and, create things. And when you walk away from that, you, you feel so good about the time you spend. It feels like time well spent. I'd love to hear more about, you know, how do we eliminate those distractions? Uh, you give some tools. What do you think about 
you know, some of the new stuff, like I know Apple just came out with a whole new operating system and in there, they're kind of recommending restructuring the ways that you can organize your phone basically to serve you better. I think that's, that is, that's a great thing that Apple's doing. I recently, I think found a, a, a website or a blog post on five bullet Friday, Tim shout out to Tim Ferriss. And basically this taught you how to optimize your phone so that it's a tool for you and you're not like a tool for it, or I guess a victim to it because it's, it's really, it's literally designed so that you, a lot of the apps and, and websites, anything that you're kind of using, they need your attention so that they can make money. You know, if, if you're getting it for free, you're, you're the product. So that's definitely something that people should be aware of is just making sure that your phone is something that's helping you be more efficient. And it's, it should be, it should be used as leverage for your, to make your time more valuable and not as a, a distracting tool. So, yeah, one of the things I just want to point out here, which is really interesting that came up was the idea of multitasking. So new neuroscience and, you know, cognitive studies basically show that there's no such thing as multitasking. What it's actually called is task switching and it's not productive. So your brain can only do these things one at a time. And every time you switch, even if it's microseconds, it takes away. And I forget the numbers, but it's it's some pretty high number of percentage. Like you lose 20% or so of the time that you think you're multitasking, but it's actually 20% of your time goes out the window, just switching in those microseconds task to task. Uh, So something to consider for you out there. I know recently I've tried to do things where if I'm cooking dinner, I used to put on an audiobook in the background, all these things. And I still do it from time to time, but occasionally I'll just do one thing and I'll, I'll kind of a mind, mindful practice where I'll just, I'll be cooking dinner, 20 minutes I'm going to spend on preparing the things and getting them ready. And that's just my time to do that and focus. And it's not so much that I want to do that more efficiently. It's I want to get in the habit of only being on one task at a time. And I think building those habits is really important. Absolutely. I think, again, this is, Brian's talking specifically about himself and everybody kind of functions differently. I'm definitely the type of person that I find myself getting bored easily. And I like to say like switch from book to book. But in that sense, I do think that just putting friction for yourself between like things that you don't want to continue to do and making it easy for yourself to do the things that you do want to continue to do. For example, like your phone being a distraction, well, put it in the other room. You now just created an extra barrier for you to do that. That's another thing to just keep in mind, make it easier for yourself to do the things that you want to do. And that will, that could do wonders in just making sure you stay on task and use your, use your day and your time more efficiently. I like it. I like it. Uh, all right, Tony, why don't we move on to work-life balance? So how does one decide, you know, we only have so much time in the day. I want to work is important to me or project could be important to me. How do we strike a balance between all those? So I think this is, this is a deeply personal question. I think this is something that you really need to evaluate yourself, figure out exactly where, where you want to be. What's your, what's your goal? Again, recommend you listen to our destinations podcast. That could definitely help you figure out how to strike a solid work-life balance. But I would say just make sure that you're doing what you need to be doing when you're at work. So manage your time better at work you'll have more time when you're spending your time on your life. So you don't have to be worried about those things that, you know, you may have forgotten to do at work. Just make sure that you are getting what you need to do, get done during the workday so that you're completely stress-free when you're spending time with your family or trying to have fun. 
I love it. Yeah. I also think, you know, it's just reading the book, uh, Managing Oneself by Peter Drucker, who's like a guru in the business and improvement world. And he talks about where to put your time. So when you're at work, you know, first and foremost, concentrate on your strengths um, and spend the time on that. You know, you could spend a year getting okay at things that you're weak at, or you can spend a year really crushing it and improving and going from points of proficiency and getting better at those. And, you know, his advice is basically spend your time there and that's the best use of your time. Again, I love that you brought that up. It's, it's really all about what you focus on for time management and for, let's say striking a work-life balance, just make sure you're focusing on what is important to you. And um, that goes for time management too. For example, 80-20 principle, focus on the 20% that's going to generate the most value for you or for whatever the goal is. Yeah. I mean, it could be something as simple as you sit down and write out a list of values, right? We talked a lot about values last week, but create the things. This is where I want to spend five, my top five things I want to spend most of my time on and then create the plan. All right, Tony, why don't we move on and let's do some quick hitters here. Let's see if we can help these uh, listeners out with some tools and tactics. Why don't you kick us off with some of your favorites? Absolutely. I know that this is, this is definitely one of my favorite things to talk about. I love to hear, hear new kind of like hacks basically that can make my life more streamlined and easier. So I think the number one tool when it comes out to time management is probably pen and paper. And I know Brian, you're a huge fan of pen and paper. So you want to jump into this? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I love it's maybe because you know, I grew up whenever computers were just coming along. Not that I'm that old, but um, it's something about writing it down and creating something you can see visually in front of you. Um, I also love outlines. Um, another thing that's popped into my head, you know, over the last few years, it's been really helpful is just a calendar being really diligent about the way that I structure my time. And, uh, you know, speaking of like seeing the big picture is just making sure that I'm planning things ahead of time and organizing those in an effective way. What do you, I'm going to hear your thoughts about pen and paper before we move on too far though. Yeah, sure. So I think pen and paper, just writing down a to-do list, something like that, you know, writing down your intentions for the day, just actually writing that down is basically committing to yourself that you're actually going to do this today. And I think the science backs us up that people who just write a to-do list in the morning, much higher likelihood that they're actually going to have a productive day. Again, you know, correlation, causation, who knows, but I'm pretty sure that the science backs that up. And as far as you said with a calendar, Google Calendar is the obvious tool here. It's extremely dynamic. It's so easy to use. You can invite other people. Me and Brian use Google Calendar to schedule this meeting right now. So Google Calendar is definitely a great tool that if you're not utilizing it, if you have regular classes or a regular work schedule, it's definitely a great idea to use Google Calendar. Again, if you use pen and paper calendar, that's that's good too. But we're trying to share the newer, I guess, technologically advanced tools. Yeah. And then some other tools, you know, we talk about to-do lists. Um, I love Trello. Trello is one of my favorites. Um, I know you use Notion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Notion Notion's definitely... It's a, it's a it's a great project management tool. It's extremely dynamic. There's a little bit of a learning curve, but once you get used to it, you can use it for literally anything. It's got shared workspaces like Google Docs. You can even make websites with it. So Notion's great. Perfect. Let's talk about some of the stuff for how about sleep. Yeah, sleep is definitely one of the pillars of life. You're going to spend a third of your life sleeping, so you might want to figure out how to optimize that. Just some, some sleep practices that I have recently started to use is 
just I have three alarms, but they all go off at the same time because you never want to be hitting the snooze button. I keep they're all in different places and I keep my phone away from my bed so that I have to actually get up and walk to it in the morning. And once you're up, it's a lot harder to convince yourself to go back to that pillow. Yeah, just don't hit snooze. Set one alarm so you can't convince yourself in the morning that's you know, you'll just wait for the next one and have your stuff ready for you in the morning so that you can just move right on into your day. And like I said, have reduced friction for good things, increase friction for bad things. For example, keep the phone away from the bed so you don't use your phone when you're in your bed. What about you, Brian? Well, Tony, I am definitely not a morning person, so I'm going to have to take everything you just said and try to put that into practice, see if I can get it, get my game up there. Yeah, for me, it's more about the routines, just kind of creating a morning routine. So when I wake up, I'm like super rigid. I kind of give myself a very specific amount of time. I say, all right, I have a half an hour from when I wake up to when I need to leave the house. And I try to make sure that everything is laid out the night before. So I know I like to have coffee in the morning. So I lay out my coffee cup. I lay out my coffee container I'm going to use to make it. Um, my clothes, all that stuff. So I get up and I hit the ground running. Um, at night, I like to try to wind down anything that causes stress, try to get that out of my head, meditate, all those things. Kind of, I try to be in bed by 10. So eight o'clock, that's when I start cooling off. Uh, how about you? Yeah, just for just so you know, I, I have never been a morning person either. In high school, I, I was late almost every single day in my yearbook. I got most likely to be late. So this <laughs> is definitely, these are definitely things I've learned the hard way. So you're saying so there's a chance. There, there's a chance. There's there's hope for all of you. Any of you who hate the morning as well. It took a while before I got to the point where I actually could figure out a way to wake up. So definitely try things out. Experiment. See what works for you. All right. What do you got for morning and evening routines? So my evening routines, I like to focus on hygiene. Obviously, everyone, you should brush your teeth, take a shower. I think that it's important to really give yourself enough time to wind down and get into that mentality that you're about to go to sleep. Um, That's really tough for me to do because I feel like my life is all over the place and I constantly have distractions and new things coming up. But when I get the chance, and usually I try to give myself like an hour or so to decompress before I go to bed and just let let myself get into that sleeping. I love it. I know blue blue light has been on the everyone's mind and the scientific community here studying that. The Huberman Lab just came out with an awesome podcast on sleep. And basically what he said was, if you have light in the morning in the first hour, that's really helpful for regulating your circadian rhythms. Specifically, what I found interesting was the direction where the light comes from. So you actually want the light to hit you above eye level. That is what signals kind of like, you know, recreating the sun. So if it's artificial light, make sure you put the light above your head. I actually started putting the light on above my head in the morning and I think it helps. At night, same thing. Try to avoid overhead lights. Keep the lights low, brightness low. And everyone's doing like the blue light blockers, which as last I heard the scientific community like wasn't sure about, but interesting stuff. So just keep the light to a minimum at night and in the morning, as much light as you can above your head. Yeah, definitely. That was a great podcast episode. And uh, I know one of the big things that's highly recommended is waking up and going to sleep at the same time every day. That's, I think, the best way to actually regulate your circadian rhythm. And just another cool little hack that I don't know if everyone knows about, you can actually put on a blue light blocker on your phone. It's called night shift, and that will automatically filter out the blue light for your set times, and it'll just phase it back in. I think mine's set to like 9 p.m. or like 8 p.m. to 7 a.m., so there's no blue light for my phone. Nice. I know, yeah. So I don't know if that's Apple and all the other phones, but on my Apple phone, I do the same thing. Mine's actually set to sunset and sunrise, so Apple does all the work figuring out when the sun goes down and syncing me up. There you go. 
And for the audience out there, are you happy with everything you accomplish in a day? Are you spending your time exactly where you want it to be? Are there any ways you can allocate your time better? Something to think about. Just to recap for the day, we talked about Peter Thiel, why can't you do it in six months? The 80-20 principle, using leverage, flow states, eliminating distractions and reducing friction, and time management tools. And we'd love to hear from you. Please share your favorite tools, hacks, something you learned today or something that we didn't talk about. Share it. Let's let's have a conversation. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And we can't wait to see you on the next one. All right. Be well.